Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. How many of you like my shoes? Seriously, I think that is a profound illustration because you can look good for little money. It's in your head. I don't go in a shop and look for a brand. I look for a look. And then people ask me, where did you get that? Because it's a perception rather than a reality. And I've said this to you before. Let me just add to it. All these fancy things, they all made in China. And you get caught up with the big, thick bag. The bag, you buy a pair of shoes for 5,000 rand. The bag alone is 500 bucks. Look at the paper. I used to be a printer. I know. The bag, this bag is 10% of the shoe price. Be not deceived. Invest your money in good things, in, uh, in, 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 in things that give a return, property, things like that, that leave an inheritance. I see people driving very expensive cars, but then they sit in the dark when, lock, when there's load shedding. Why would you want to drive a very, two, two million rand car and then sit in the dark during load shedding? Buy some batteries. Drive a Corolla. No, seriously, we get our values muddled up, and I don't want to preach on that, but so important that we keep a clear head and we're not caught up, and yet we enjoy the prosperity and the blessing of God. We don't look drab. We enjoy uh, fashion and stuff like that. You just need wisdom, and I trust that we impart some of that to you. How many of you have ever received complaints from people, complaints about our church, complaints about your products, complaints about your business, complaints about the way you look? Complaints about the way you speak. I came across some funny complaints. Look at this one here. This guy, Sadder Dre. You, I ordered a pizza and it came with no toppings on it or anything. It's just bread. Domino's Pizza respond. Sadder Dre, we're sorry to hear about this. Please let our friends at Domino's UK know so they can help. Never mind, I opened the pizza upside down. How quick are we to complain? Here's another one. This Old Spice is complaining about a product, uh, you, you might not know if you travel to America, Taco Bell. It's like, it's like McDonald's, like a fast food, Mexican food. And uh, Old Spice is asking Taco Bell, why is it that the fire sauce isn't made with any real fire? Seems like false advertising. Taco Bell responds, Old Spice, is your de- deodorant made with real Old Spices? How's this one? This guy, James Rhodes, and those of you that know the UK, the, the cell phone network's called O2. He says, hey, at O2, please get your SMS working. I sent this girl 246 texts last night, asking her out, and none of her replies have come through yet. They respond, hi, James. That's a lot of texts. Maybe next time you should try sending one text to 246 different girls. <laughs> My, we complain without thinking, eh? But this is the funniest There's a magazine called Popular Science Magazine. This is their complaint of the month. There are too many lengthy articles on overly scientific subjects that make up most of the magazine. (laughs) Some of you didn't get it. This is Science Monthly. But there are too many articles on scientific facts in a Science Monthly magazine. How many of you know we are prone to complaining? I complain a lot. I regret complaining. I think at times I'm a level 10 complainer. And I think it's a problem. I think something God's speaking to me about. During COVID, I complained a lot. I'm sure you did too. And I think God is speaking to us concerning the subject of complaining. I believe the Holy Spirit is making us aware of the danger of complaining 
And the problem of complaining, did you know the French as a nation are known for complaining? I think South Africa comes a close second. If not, it has usurped the French position of being number one. It's a culture. Listen, we've got a lot to complain about, but it's, we're developing a culture of complaining. Can you say amen? And I believe we need the Holy Spirit's help. I believe God is speaking to me and to us all about complaining. So I want to speak to you about overcoming the habit of complaining. Sometimes we just give our opinion, and we should think about it before we do. Sometimes, here's the thing, we complain to what I call the choir. Those are the people who we know will agree with us. Isn't that true? And it's a way of almost bonding. The weather's bad, eh? Oh, it's terrible, eh? So we bond. We complain about our aches and pains. Why? Because we want attention. Sometimes complaining is egotistic because it shows my standards. Could be we need to challenge that. And I, as a leader, am looking to raise standards, but sometimes it could come across like if I was running this country. Hmm? We've got to be very careful because, you see, it's, it's not wrong to highlight faults. It's, it's not wrong to file a complaint. It's different to be a complainer. And I think filing complaints is very important, though everybody today is a complainer, gives their opinions. It's called activism. But problem solving is very different to complaining. Are you with me? And it's hard work living or being associated with complainers. How many of you don't look next to you, just look straight ahead, don't bump the person next to you? How many of you have got friends or family or you're married to a complainer and you have to listen to them? Otherwise, they say, you're not listening to me. And complaining is a real issue because we, we, we do it to be superior, do it to garner sympathy, we do it to bond, it's kind of a social thing, maybe to get some love, you know, we play the victim, how are you, oh, my back, you know, oh Shane, let me, come here, let me pray for you. See, some people know complaints trigger love. Are we doing these things without even thinking about them? They are incredibly dangerous and bad for us, and it makes us victims. Listen, some people like to give complaints, but they don't like to receive them. And guess what? Israel was kept out of the promised land, the best God had through one thing, complaining. I think we're in danger of getting kept out of God's best for us by complaining. And if we don't stop complaining, not only does it affect the people around us, it could affect our eternal destiny, and it could affect God's best for our lives. I came across a very beautiful poem by a man called Rudy Francisco. He has written a book called Helium, and uh, he, sorry, he's written a poem called Helium, and he's done a lot of poetry. He's very, very well known for his poems, and he challenges us to stop complaining. And I want to read it as I introduce the message. In a moment, I'll tell you how, how complaining damages us in five ways. And, uh, but let me read this to you because it's, it's, it's wonderfully put. He says here, and it's, it's, it'll take me a few minutes. It says, on May the 26, 2003, Aaron Ray Ralston was hiking. A boulder fell on his right hand, and he waited four days. Then he amputated his own arm with a pocket knife. On New Year's Eve, a woman was bungee jumping. The cord broke. She fell into a river and had to swim back to land in crocodile-infested waters with a broken collarbone. Claire Champlin was smashed in the face by a five-pound watermelon being propelled by a slingshot. Matthew Bropst was hit by a javelin. David Striegel was actually punched in the mouth by a kangaroo. 
The most amazing part of these stories is when asked about the experience, they all smiled, shrugged, and said, I guess things could have been worse. Go ahead. Tell me you're having a bad day. Tell me about the traffic. Tell me about your boss. Tell me about the job you've been trying to quit for the past four years. Tell me about the morning that's just a townhouse burning to the ground and that the snooze button on your alarm clock is the fire extinguisher. Tell me the alarm clock stole the keys to your smile and drove it into 7 a.m. and the crash totaled your happiness. Tell me. Tell me how blessed we are to have tragedy so small it can fit on the lips of our tongues. Oh, sorry, on the tips of our tongues. When Evan lost his legs, speaking about someone he knows, when Evan lost his legs, he was speechless. When my cousin was assaulted, she didn't speak for 48 hours. When my uncle was murdered, we had to send out a search party to find my father's voice. Most people have no idea that tragedy and silence often have the exact same address. When your day is a museum of disappointments, hanging from events that were outside your control, when you feel like your guardian angel put his two weeks notice two months ago and just decided not to tell you, when it seems like God is just a babysitter that's always on the phone, when you get punched in the esophagus by a fistful of life, remember every year two million people die of dehydration. So it doesn't matter if the glass is half full or half empty, there's water in the cup. Drink it and stop complaining. Muscle is created by lifting things that are designed to weigh us down. When your shoulders are heavy, stand up straight. Call it exercise. Life is a gym membership with a really complicated cancellation policy. Remember, you will survive. Things could be worse. And we are never given anything we can't handle. When the whole world crumbles, you have to build a new one out of the pieces that are still there. Remember, you are still here. And then he closes with this. The human heart beats approximately 4,000 times per hour, and each pulse, each throb, each palpitation is a trophy engraved with the words, you are still alive. You are still alive, so act like it. Pretty powerful words. The Bible encapsulates what I'm saying today in one verse in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, Do everything without complaining or arguing. Good general advice, but very difficult to do. Can anyone resonate with me today? Anyone feeling challenged this morning? Well, would you listen to me as I talk to myself today? Because I believe we're all guilty of this. I believe we're going we're to knock the French out of top spot because South Africa has got to be the, the country to complain about the most. However, it is one of the most amazing countries in the world. Just travel again and you realize, man, I was in Singapore and Australia recently. I was in Europe. I was in Amsterdam. I was in Paris. And, uh, and I was in America. And you know what I realized? I do not want to live in any of these places. This is home. This is beautiful. Have we got problems? Absolutely. But I want to warn you this morning before I give you three solutions, I want to look at five ways that grumbling or complaining damages us. We'll spend a bit of time on number five, and then we'll come to the solution. So let's look at how complaining damages us. Number one, it entrenches defeat. It solidifies or entrenches defeat in your life, highlights problems, and then emphasizes them and makes us victims of those circumstances. Every time you speak about the taxis and the traffic, you entrench those defeated facts in your life. And it entrenches in us, as we say at Rivers, a we can't instead of a find a way to win spirit. We've got to find a way to win in South Africa. 
We've got to find a way to win in our church. What complaining does is it speaks hopelessness. And what it often speaks about, it speaks about our country and our lives, about what we don't have, not what we do have. Gratitude speaks about what we do have. Complaining speaks about what we don't have. Can you say amen? Number two, it infects others. When you complain, it infects others. We're supposed to encourage others. But complaining is a bit like a virus. I don't know if this is true. I was, I was wanting to ask Dr. Bianco this morning, but there are viruses apparently that slow your heart down, eh? They make your heart beat irregularly. I was reading up on that. And I think complaining makes people's hearts go, and you can't see it on their face, but inside, have you seen the taxis? It infects others. It's almost like a disease. In fact, Theodore Roosevelt said this, 26th president of the United States, complaining about a problem without posing a solution is called whining. And then Ogmandino, uh, the, the late Ogmandino, his books have sold over 50 million copies, he said, do not listen to those who weep and complain, for their disease is contagious. Number three, it harms our health. Did you know that when you complain, it harms your health? So it doesn't just infect other people, it harms your and my health. Because cortisol, the stress hormone, increases dramatically when we complain. Studies have shown that people who complain, this hormone increases, and then it can lead to depression, digestive problems, sleep issues, high blood pressure, and even increased risk of heart disease. How many of you know complaining is dangerous? So it entrenches defeat, infects others, harms our health. Number four, here's an important one. It rewires our brains. Our brains are like a computer. They get programmed. And when we complain, patterns are formed until you only see negatives because you created a negative pattern. Isn't that true? I want to ask you, what do you say or think about first thing when you wake up in the morning? Just pause for a moment. What's the first thought that comes to your mind? The bad weather? Sometimes when it's raining like now. Or do you take your phone in your hand and guess who's there? Because they've been working all night. News 24. How many in the room open your phone and on the screen is already News 24 telling you how bad the country is, how bad the political parties are, the infighting, the trouble, and some scandal you don't even know about, but suddenly it's come on your radar and you want to tell other people about it. What is the first thing that comes to mind? We should wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we need to start thinking about something positive. Because it's so easy to go down this road. And you train your brain by the way you speak to embrace these patterns, and you end up rewiring your brain. If you're making notes this morning, there are two kinds of complaints. Very simple, micro and macro. You know, the macro complaints are the big ones. I've been diagnosed with cancer. I've just told her I've lost my job. My business is bankrupt. These are macro complaints. Sometimes they need to be talked about. You need to share them. Someone needs to pray with you. We understand macro complaints, but they are actually not the problem. It's the micro complaints. The weather's lousy. I suppose the lights are out again. Oh, yes, load shedding. Yeah, the neighbor's dog's barking again. We've got two dogs next door. Oh. And they let them out at six in the morning, and they bark for like an hour and a half, and they've got, diff- they got two different voices. That's a micro-complaint, and I often say to them, this dog's at it again. She said, yes, they woke me up. So we start our day, but you know what happens? It's programming your brain 
life is against me, the dog's next door, it's raining, the lights are out, watch the taxis outside, when I go to work, they probably won't, yes, that customer didn't return my call. So your brain develops patterns from micro-complaints, and you ignore it like, well, that's what we all do. Am I making sense today? It's, it's a huge problem. There's a book I was reading, and I did some research here. Bill Wall and Kim Wall, they're pastors of a small church in America. They wrote a book called The Complaining Cure. And they say when you complain, the neurons in your brain notice a pattern and branch out to each other to ease the flow of information. Each time you complain, those neurons get closer and closer, connecting to build a permanent bridge, linking each complaining thought together for fluidity and simplicity. These bridges connect certain areas of the brain together, associating negativity with specific parts of our lives. Watch this. With every complaint, that bridge is strengthened and the connection is secured. Complaining rewires your brain so that you can more easily and efficiently complain. <laughs> Repeating complaining reorganizes your brain to make future complaining more likely. When you complain, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, when you complain, your brain is restructured to find the negative first, to find fault, to see the glass half empty, to look at difficulties and impossibilities, particularly in the areas where you've established complaining. Wow. Now, there's a thing called neuroplasticity. That means your brain is flexible enough to be retrained. And how do you do it? Instead of speaking complaints, you speak promises. The Word of God rewires your brain. That's why it says you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do you do it? You speak the Word instead of speaking complaints. And so we have to be retraining ourselves because then new pathways are created and God's promises come to mind and, and then we can start retraining. But if you don't do this, eventually what happens is you complain without even thinking because it's your, it's your habit, habitual response. Interesting, there's a movie coming out, uh, the director, um, James Cameron, you all know him, he's produced the Avatar movies, and there's a new Avatar movie coming out, The Way of the Water, December uh, of this year, and he says this, he says that people should not complain about the highly anticipated sequel and its three hour, ten minutes runtime. You see, you all just, <laughs> but wait, I'm now, now I'm going to nail you. He says this, so many people are willing to binge watch entire series in one sitting on TV. He says, I don't want anybody whining about length. They sit and binge watch for eight hours. He said, I can always write the part of the review of the movie, this agonizingly long three-hour movie. You see, we're wired to complain, but we don't think. We binge watch, but then we moan about a movie. Why? Because complaining becomes part of how the brain and it's not mic macro, it's micro things that have done it. And it damages us, the word fortunately, and a commitment to it can cause us to overcome this. Number five, and I'll spend a bit of time here before we get to the solutions. Is this helping anyone today? Here's the most important way it damages us. It keeps us from God's favor and blessings. You can actually prevent the blessing of God and hinder the blessing of God in your life by constantly complaining. Israel died in the wilderness when God wanted to take them into the promised land. And if you're making notes this morning, you might remember this or you might want to note it, but the book of Numbers from 11, chapter 11 through to 16 records five complaints 
that Israel made that prevented them from going into the land. And the church does the same today. We need to guard against it. And uh, uh, just let me remind you, none of those complaints garnered God's sympathy. He never at one time said, I'm so sorry for my people, for I love them, and I chose them, and I brought them out of Egypt, and now they are suffering, it grieves my heart. Oh, my people, I feel for you. It says, and the anger of the Lord was stirred. So we need to remember that, because God's got good plans. You see, what happens when you complain is you actually attack the character of God. That's what we do. We say he can't be trusted. Look what's happening to me. Look what's going on. I lost my job. Instead of saying, I lost my job, but the God who I serve will take care of me. And we complain. And so here are the five things they complained about. Number one, complaints about their hardships. Just like us, they complained about the economy, the traffic, the rising interest rates, their marriage, their aches and pains, the people that they were with, their family, etc., etc. And uh, you see, what we tend to do today, and here's the problem, we think that we've got to constantly give our opinion because everyone's asking us for it. One of my least favorite things doing, and I'm not complaining, it's just a fact, is when I scroll through the sport channels on a Saturday, the program I don't want to watch is the one called Fan Zone. Because they call up fans around the world and listen to their complaints. Franklin, my dear, I don't care. I want to know what the commentator and the managers and the experts say. Your opinion? They dime a dozen. But everyone's asking you for your opinion. So we end up volunteering our opinion and giving our complaints. And God says, no, that's not the way you should live. You've got to restrain this and control it. And as I said earlier, complaining today is now called activism. Numbers chapter 11. Now the people complained about their hardship in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Oh, wait, it gets worse. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some on the outskirts of the camp. There'd be dead people in the back seats <laughs> of Rivers Church if this still happened. We all complain, don't we? And the Lord is angry and trouble cometh. Number two, the second thing we read about in the book of Numbers is complaints by Miriam and Aaron against Moses. Numbers 14. And they rise up and speak against Moses. They give their opinion. We don't like your wife. She's a Cushite, an Ethiopian. We don't like her race. Why are you marrying her? Well, frankly, Moses, we don't need your opinion. I'm in love with her, and she suits me. How many of you know, 28 years after democracy, we've still got complaints about race? And every race group is now unhappy, not just African people. You see, you can't solve this stuff. Get solved here and here. Not politically. You can make decrees. It works when we come to Christ, and he works with us. Now, we can't, now we, we, we can't easily complain because we'll end up on social media and we'll get called out if we, if we complain about Indians taking our jobs or if we complain about whites having all the money and so on. So, so what do we do? We've switched it to foreigners. We have to have an avenue of complaint because we're the victim. No, we're not. And notice this is biblical. This happened in the Bible. It happens with us. We must address it. The Lord was unhappy about it. And the Bible says that Miriam ended up leprous outside the camp. You won't spend time there. Number three, complaints by the 10 spies who brought back a negative report. How many of you know that you can see something through the lens of faith or you can see it through the eyes of politics or through the eyes of the news? We've got to see things through the eyes of faith. God had plans for them, but these spies came back and complained. 
Numbers 13, they started spreading rumors and saying, we won't be able to grow anything in that soil. And the people are like giants. In fact, we saw the Nephilim, who are the ancestors of the Anakim. They were so big that we felt as small as grasshoppers. That was their opinion. It wasn't the truth. And a complaint kept them out of the land. Now, before, here's the, here's the, and I spoke about this, complaints infect others. Complaints from people infected by that report. See, they brought a negative report. The people were triggered by it. Be careful the kind of discussions you have in your home. Numbers 14, after the Israelites heard the report from the 12 men who had explored Canaan, the people cried all night and complained to Moses and Aaron on the response cards. Now watch this. We wish we had died in Egypt. Jay Lich, as they say in Cape Town. You didn't wish you died. You're talking nonsense. You have got so into such a victim mentality. Oh, I've got, you know, they've diagnosed me with, and the Lord must just take me. No, you don't want the Lord to take you. You want us all to rally around you and hug you. Complaints, sympathy seeking, takes you down a rabbit hole. It says they complained and cried, complained to Moses and Aaron. We wish we had died in Egypt or somewhere out here in the desert. Is the Lord leading us into Canaan just to have us killed and our women and children captured? We'd be better off in Egypt. Then they said to one another, let's choose our own leader and go back. Imagine thinking that God wants to kill you. Now he could have killed you before you crossed the Jordan. Would have been cheaper. He could have put his feet up on a cloud and had peace. Do you think he spent 40 years now he's going to kill you? It's ridiculous. And here's the thing. When you complain enough, you'll want to change direction. You'll want to change location. How many of you in the room are thinking about changing location? It always happens when you complain enough. You might as well immigrate because if you complain enough, you will immigrate. It's the end result of changing direction. Watch this. They also said, let's elect a leader. They started thinking politically instead of spiritually. You know when a church is in trouble, when the people start getting full of complaints and they want to propose a solution that's not God's making. We never ended up in this position politically. This wasn't some grand uh, democratic vote. It was God's instruction. But complaining will lead to a political reform of a church even of a denomination, if we're not careful. Are you with me? And God is a spiritual God. Number five, uh, is this adding up here this morning? Some of you have probably not read this for a while, and it's good for you. Number five is the worst one. It's key leaders that start to complain. Korah, Dathan, Abiram, on, on. He was not on, but his name was on. And 250 leaders complain about Moses' leadership. Gosh, eh? Even comp- complainers will even find... Uh, uh, fault with anointed and blessed leadership. There was no person like Moses who the Bible says the Lord spoke with him face to face, but it wasn't good enough. Why? Because they saw his Ethiopian wife. They saw him coughing. They saw him maybe a little bit tired and irritable. So they discounted him. And you know what they actually said? Is Moses the only one? Aren't we all on a par? In other words, we've also got gifts. Who is this oak? But I love Moses' answer, and this is the answer that leaders need to give when people give their opinions. Number 16, Moses said to the crowd, the Lord has chosen me and told me to do these things. It wasn't my idea. 
Can I tell you, when we came here 30 years ago, I can honestly tell you, it wasn't my idea to come to Sanson. I didn't see it as a career move. I didn't see it as a great place to live. I came here because God told me to. And if you complain, be careful that you don't complain about preference. I don't like the way Pastor Andre dresses. He doesn't dress. He never wears a tie. Suck it up and go somewhere else. No, seriously, you know why? Because you're making it a preference issue. If it's a sin issue, you're allowed to give your opinion. But if it's a preference issue, I have the leadership. And I prefer. I'm being facetious. I'm being facetious. I'm being funny. But you know what I mean? Because we forget sometimes that this is how it works. And our complaints so wire our brains that we end up missing out on God's best. And the Bible says that that complaining was pretty serious because that day 500 people died. Serious thing. I mean, God doesn't just have leaders around and go, I've got plenty of leaders, we'll just kill that lot. No, these were key people that had been raised up by Moses. 1 Corinthians, we are warned, chapter 10, we must not be guilty of sexual immorality as some of them were, it's referring to that time. In one day, 23,000 of them fell dead. We must not put the Lord to the test as some of them did and were killed by snakes. Pastor Chris mentioned that this morning. We must not complain as some of them did and they were destroyed by the angel of death. Watch this. All these things happened to them as examples for others and they were written down as a warning for us. God say, hey, don't get into the stuff. Stop complaining. Damages you. and It'll stop you from my best. And we need to realize that complaining is an insult to the character of God. In fact, he says here in Numbers chapter 14, let me read it to you. As then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I've heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in the wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. My word. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Interesting thing, when you look at this, the word grumbling and complaining in the Hebrew is made up of two Hebrew words. One is called lun, L-U-N, and the other one is ragan, R-A-G-A-N. And lun means growling, and ragan means a whispered rebellion. And so if you combine the two words, grumbling or complaining is really growling against God. Jeez. And often it's in, that's what it sounds like to God. And we attack the character of God. How many of you know this is a damaging thing? It infects others, it can affect your health, it wires your brain. But if it's going to keep you out of the blessing of God, we need to deal with it. So let me give you three simple things here, how to overcome this habit. There are probably about 10 or 20. Many books have been written on this if you want to read up. But number one, we must realize the power of our words. We must realize the power, sorry, in our words. We must realize the power in our words. Do you know the words you speak create realities? Just like when God spoke and things were created. Now, we don't believe in spooky stuff. I believe I will create wealth. No, you don't believe in spooky stuff, but your words. How many of you know, some of you don't agree with me, but listen to this. If you come to my home, and God forbid this happens, but if you came into my home for dinner 
And suddenly I start screaming and shouting at Pastor Vilma. I'm sick and tired of being married to you. It's been nearly 50 years. I have put up with your nagging. I am so fed up. Slam a plate on the table and throw a fork on the ground. All the guests, the worship pastor, the senior team, they're all standing there. How many of you know they don't just go, ah, he just got cross. A whole atmosphere is created, which you all then pick up, and everyone becomes You create a reality just through words. When you go to a comedy show and you've got the Napster or someone making you laugh, what happens? A whole atmosphere of fun. And people who don't know each other. <laughs> it was good, eh? Your words. You see, we understand that, but we don't understand that just the, uh, the taxi and the South Africa and the, this political party. <laughs> Something's happening. Got to stop it if we're going to live long lives, healthy lives, prosperous lives, and going to end up in the blessing of God. So you've got to think about your words because they, I wrote this down, our intangible words build something very tangible. Proverbs chapter 13, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. See, life, life, long life is attached to it. Proverbs 15, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue, sorry, yeah, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So there's something to be eaten from what you say, something to be digested. It goes on to say this again in Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Something is produced, and it means our words impact us, they impact others. They can either uh, wilt our, our lives or, or inspire us. They can affect others. It can crush our hopes and dreams. And, uh, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you talk negatively enough, you start to close the doors of opportunity in your own life. You can't get a job here. It's just BE and look what's happened to ESCOM. And I contacted this company and they sent me and they said, no, you can see where this is going and I think there's no hope here. You will eventually change location because you've talked yourself into it through your words, not necessarily the reality. Are you with me? So we've got to be careful We've got to use words to rewire our brains. Proverbs 18 and verse 7, the mouth of fools are their ruin. Watch this. They trap themselves with their lips. Now, we know that means you must make promises or sign surety and say stuff and then afterwards, you know, get married in a hurry. No, no, you'll trap yourself. But it also traps you because it locks in a pattern. Think about what you say from the time you wake up Think about what you say in the motor car when you leave the service. Our words have incredible power. Number two, here's how you can deal with this problem. We can complain to God. Isn't that great? Hmm? Job chapter 9. See, Job, Job wants to deny it. He says here, if I say I will forget my complaint, I will change my expression and smile, I still dread all my sufferings. So you can't pretend that there's not a problem in your life and that you're not annoyed about something, but you can go to God and cast all your care on him, 1 Peter 5 says, for he cares for you. Lord, this is ridiculous what's happening in our country. Please, would you do something? Would you give us solutions? Would you pray for the mayor? Would you pray for people in power? Even if you don't like the particular person. Hmm? See, John chapter, Job chapter 10, he says, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint. 
and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. But he's talking to God. I love this. In, the psalmist says in Psalm 64, Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint, protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Psalm 142 and verse 1, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. You see, it's okay to complain to God because when you complain to God, here's what can happen. He can change things you can't. When you complain to people, they might not be able to change it. You change them. But when you complain to God, he's able to change it and give you a divine perspective and divine peace to get through it. Even the prophet Habakkuk complained to God when he saw wicked people and he saw corruption in the land like we see in South Africa. And he says here in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1, there, I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. God is our best friend and it's better to complain to him than to infect other people and to end up rewiring our brains and making us a miserable country and a miserable church. Can you say amen this morning? Number three, and you probably know this, but I'm going to speak it anyway. Build gratitude and positivity daily. You've got to build it. It won't just happen. And all the positive books in the world have not changed the culture, but we have to build it by God's grace and through God's word. Dennis Prager is a Jewish man who has written a number of very interesting books, and he's written some commentaries on the Bible from a Jewish perspective. Genesis, Exodus, and uh, Deuteronomy, and I've read all of them, bought them, very, gives a Jewish perspective. He's not a born-again Christian, and I find him an interesting man. He's got conservative Bible values, and he says this in his rational Bible called Exodus. He calls it the rational Bible. He says most people, like the Israelites, complain far more than they express gratitude. People frequently register a complaint with a manufacturer or service provider, but they rarely write a note of thanks for a job well done. We would all do well to consider writing a thank you note each time we write a letter of complaint. Similarly, and more importantly, too many people criticize their spouses more often than they compliment them. That is the road to an unhappy marriage. I think we're all guilty of that. Hmm? We need to build positivity. Look for the good in everything and look for God in everything. Amen? Try and see... You know, you know, practice being satisfied with what you are and what you have. And, and, and start looking at people, as John Maxwell says, put a 10 on people's heads, see the good in them, and then start subtracting. Zig Ziglar, the late Zig Ziglar, the Baptist preacher and author, he says, have an attitude of gratitude and you will have more to be grateful for. Have a complaining spirit and you will attract more to complain about. You see, we attract what we give off. It affects us. It infects others. And uh, I think that when we wake up in the morning, first thing we should do is we should start with gratitude. And I don't mean I praise you, Lord. I bless your holy name. You're worthy of worship. No, start thanking God. I'm alive. Because that's what I do. At this age, I do that. And I'm not being silly. I wake up, I'm still here. My heart is beating. I don't have a disease. I have a bed. Man, this bed's comfortable. I have a room. I have shutters in the room. That's a luxury. Not many people can have shutters. I've got shutters. God's blessed us with shutters. We've got a wooden floor. Man, this is a nice room. It's a big room. There's lots of space. Gee, we've got a nice big TV. And, and I do have a big library, but we've got a nice big TV. And I thank God. I try to start otherwise. Where's my phone? Here's my phone. Unplug. 
use 24. Oh, my word. Anyone in the room relate? You've got to build gratitude and you've got to build positivity daily. Thank God for your church. Thank God for your home. Thank God that you've got people who love you and that there's a future with possibilities that is still unfolding. Paul gives us advice here, Colossians 2, and I'll move to a close here, Colossians 2, he says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him, being rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. See, he doesn't just say, every now and again, when you can be, you know, be positive, look on the bright side, now, overflowing. I believe you can only flow, overflow if you've been practicing it. Overflow is like when a cup overflows, it's full. You've got to be full. Can I say this? Church services are the best place to build positivity. Because from the start, we begin to declare who God is, what He's done, what He's done in the past, what He's done for me, what He can still do. And so you build gratitude and positivity, which can then carry over into your life. I think you can't afford to miss a church service on Sunday. It's not because I've got a powerful message for you. No, no, don't think consumption. Think rewiring. Think your wording. Think following God's destiny and singing about his character. He says one more time, Colossians 3.15, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Church is a place we can stop complaining and show gratitude and we can fill our spirits and rewire our brain. Let me remind you the damage that it causes. It entrenches defeat. It infects others, harms our health, rewires our brain, and keeps us from God's favor and blessings. Joyce Meyer said this as I wrap up today. Complaining is dangerous business. It can damage or even destroy your relationship with God, your relationship with others. Watch this. And even your relationship with yourself. Isn't that what we've been saying? Found it so for, I found this quote that I got to the end of the message, and I was like, that sums up everything I've been saying. And you can affect your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and your relationship even with yourself by constantly complaining. Can I give you just one footnote here? As you, if you're making notes, it might be worth writing down. When complaining or giving our opinions, ask yourself this question before you speak. Does this have eternal significance? And sometimes it doesn't. Best not to say it. I think all of us need some retraining, eh? And so today I want to just say two things as I wrap up. And the first one is probably the most important, which I should actually say secondly, but I'm going to say it first. If you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus, and you're not part of the church of God because you've never made Jesus Lord, I'd suggest you stop complaining about the church being full of hypocrites and about religion and how it's caused all the wars in the world, and just put aside all that and say, Jesus, you died for my sins. I know you love me. I want to receive you. Because a lot of us have complaints against God. That's why we never receive Jesus. But if you put aside your complaining and you say, I'm going to trust you. You love me. As they say in the old days, we used to say, give God a chance. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. But this is very important. I want to issue to all of us in the room a seven-day no complaining challenge. And what I'm going to do, because you know what I, I know? I know what I don't like. I know what you like. Clap and get done with it. Here's the thing. I know what I'm like and what you're like. We hear a message. We make notes. We go out. Was that brilliant? Tuesday. 
<laughs> I'm sick of this country. Oh, my back. So on Instagram every day, forgive me, this is just to help me. I'm going to post on my own Instagram so that I'm reminded. And I'm going to help you for the next seven days. Remember the content of this message and attempt to rewire our brains so that we don't infect others, we don't damage our health, most of all, we don't miss out on the blessing and the plans of God. And if you can follow that, we'll keep sending posts. If you can follow us on Instagram and just read those, and yep, that's right, I read that in the meeting, yep, amen. And go and do your own study if you want to. Let's attempt for the next seven days. By the time we come back next Sunday, I think our worship might be up here. Because we'll walk in with, it doesn't matter what they're singing, God is good, He's awesome. We'll just worship because we are overflowing with thanks and gratitude. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.